Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father God, we just pray today, let your words speak into our lives, change us and do something new and fresh this morning. I pray for something today. Holy Spirit, come in this place right now upon every single heart in this room. Prepare our hearts to receive, but also prepare our hearts, Lord, to be changed, refreshed, restored, and renewed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. This uh, message today, I'm going to be trying to be as quick as I can, because I know I've took up quite a bit of time already, but it's um, it's a first part of a three-part series that I'm going to do. Uh, and the three-part series, if you've got the graphic comes up, um, is called Beyond Belief. It's called Beyond Belief. So it's going to be running now for the next three weeks up to the day of uh, the Pentecost Sunday. And this first part is called, in this series, is called Be Empowered. Be Empowered. I want us to read in Acts chapter 19 verse 1. It says this, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And then on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Today, I want to speak about speaking in tongues and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Who wants to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? I know I do. Everything we've just told you about cannot happen without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. It cannot happen. Everything we do when we act in faith, we speak in faith, we prophesy, we do all these things, is from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just a few, I think it's probably a month or so ago, we had a water baptism service here. And 13 people were baptized. It was a great day. It took us quite a while to get through 13 baptisms in our cafe downstairs. But there was water baptism took place. Many know uh, what water baptism is. Maybe you don't in, in, our, in our kind of church. Some people know baptisms as just a sprinkle on the head when they're younger and then that's it. They're a, in some respects are a Christian. In our view, we believe that in water baptism you need to be immersed in water to be fully put down and rose again. And it's a symbol of being of kind of death, overcoming death and a new life in Christ. That public uh, declaration of our faith. So we all know what it is to be baptized in water, or maybe you don't, but that's, 
That's what it means. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me tell you today, if you have never spoken tongues, if you don't believe today that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, today, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be. Because today in this room, at the end of the service, we're going to give an opportunity for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm excited about that. Many, if you want to know, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in this very room, in this very church myself. Many years ago, I gave my life to Jesus, and then I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And my life has never been the same again. Never the same again. Jesus said, for him, he was he, he brought bapti- uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he said, it's important for me to even be baptized in water. Some people would say, well, why be baptized in water if you just need the Holy Spirit? It's good. Jesus even was baptized in water. He said, to fulfill all righteousness to John the Baptist, he said, I need to be baptized in water as well. And if you know, when he came up out of the water, it's when we see the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. So Jesus was also baptized in water, so it's good to be baptized in water and also the Holy Spirit. Many of us dismiss this. Many of us don't want to hear about it. Many of us are scared by it. Many of us, when we come in today, if anyone hears anyone speaking in tongues, we're like, what on earth are they saying? When I walked in this place, this church, um, what was it 14 years ago with my wife, we were backslidden. I'm now leading the church. We came in here and God, we saw what was going on. Emma had only ever been to a Church of England church. She walked in. She says, what on earth are these people doing? I thought, well, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I wonder what they were doing. It just, I thought, what is the point in this? There is no, what's the point of people speaking like this? Just speak normal. What, what is this? What I've come to realize is there is a benefit that's beyond compare <clears throat> to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I want to encourage you, and, and, and I really felt that the Lord spoke to me about this, that, we, that when we did the, the baptism, the water baptism, we prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe that day, if you were baptized, you are filled. Maybe you were already filled. Maybe today you're saying to yourself, ah, this message, I'm going to shut off now for the next hour and a half, sorry, 45 minutes. I'm going to shut myself off because I don't need to hear this because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So I don't need this. I speak in tongues every day. I'll tell you, there's a message here for someone today as well, because what I'm going to be sharing with you as well is there's people here who are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're not, they're not stirring up or doing anything with this gift. We can have received it one time, but also there's people here who need to hear this. So keep your ears open today as we go through the word and look at this. In Acts 19, Paul said to these uh, believers from Ephesus, he said, what baptism did you receive? Did you receive the Holy Spirit, he said to them. He's rocking on through on his third missionary journey through this place and he meets these people. If you look at Acts 18, the the previous chapter, verse 25, it talks about Apollos who, who, who was teaching at the time. And it describes Apollos as one who was a learned man. This is, remember, this is in Acts. This is when Jesus had died. 
He's now rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. In Acts 19, we're reading about Acts 18, it says that Apollos, in that region where these men, he found these men, was a person who was a learned man. It says he spoke, he taught about Jesus accurately. So he knew, he knew his stuff about Jesus. He taught about Jesus accurately, it says. But he wasn't speaking, he was preaching John's repentance. He wasn't speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul comes through and says, wow, you know, you've been getting some great teaching here from someone who knows about Jesus accurately. How many of you, you could go to some of the the best churches in this country, hear the best teaching, hear everything accurately about Jesus, but you miss one of the key components. And Apollos... He could, he knew about Jesus. He says he was a learned man. I meet so many people who know much more about the Bible than I do. But sometimes I said to him, are you doing anything with this? Are you acting on what you hear? We don't want to be puffed up on the word. I say this all the time. I don't want to be full up on the word and listening all the time. I want to be fulfilled doing the work. And when Paul sees these people, it's it's interesting because just this small chapter, he sees them and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? You know, when when you believed, when you believed, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I believe Jesus wants every single person who comes to know him and receive him and his grace, his forgiveness, and becomes born again of the Spirit of God, just like Jesus said to uh, Nicodemus that we need to be born again. Every single person, if you're here today and you have accepted Jesus, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a bit scared by this, you're thinking, I'm not sure if I am. I want to encourage you today that it's what Jesus wants for every believer. The Holy Spirit, you're saying, well, I know, I read the Bible, the Holy Spirit's part of my conversion. When I came, I would have never come to Jesus if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. That's totally true. You see, when you are in a meeting and God, wherever you were and God spoke to you, and you felt the Holy Spirit and something happened that I can describe it to you now. For me, it was something happened inside of me that not one human being could ever do. I, could, I can't, it's, it's hard to explain sometimes. But it's the power of salvation. That the Holy Spirit comes upon someone and brings them to conversion to believe. And it gives them the gift to realize and see. That's why amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that our eyes are open. We can see this grace. And many of us here, we may, some of us may have received Jesus, been saved, but you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. And what you had is, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you, brings you to this repentance and forgiveness of sins, John's uh, message, but you never go much further. Let me tell you this. If you're thinking now, well, am I saved then? Yes, you will go to heaven. Yes, you will be saved. Yes, you've got your ticket. Yes, you can receive forgiveness from Jesus. You are saved. If you receive him by his spirit and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. However, if you want to live your life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a tough ride. It's going to be way harder. 
Jesus said in John 16, he said that unless I go, the advocate, the one after me, cannot come, the Holy Spirit. In other words, many of you now, if I said to you, you can take Jesus home with you, the, you know, the, the, the flesh and blood of Jesus, you can take him home with you today in your home for the rest of your Christianity, you would absolutely love that. But Jesus said, do you know what? People can't get their head around this. He said, I've got to go. Unless I go, things aren't going to be great. In other words, I need you to be the same as what I've done on this earth, doing the same as what I've done, but there's going to be far more of you. Not just one. That's why we'll see greater works, because if everyone's doing what Jesus did, then there'll be a lot of work done. But many are looking, saying, I just wish I had Jesus in my life, the one who's perfect, who can do all these miracles. No, he said, unless I go, he cannot come. Well, he has come, but have you received him? And with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it takes it to another level. It really does. It takes it to a level where you, your life is completely consumed because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like when someone's baptized in water, they're totally consumed and immersed. It's the same word. To be immersed in the Holy Spirit is to literally, if I got a, if I got a flannel here, I wish I had one, and dipped a dry flannel in a, in a bucket of water and picked it up. It's immersed. There is nothing left. God is just consuming you inside out. But you see, what the Holy Spirit as a gentleman will never immerse or fill someone unless they want it. He'll just gently bring them. He never forces himself on anyone. Amen? I put here that empowerment is not a fuzzy, warm feeling. We all like them fuzzy, warm feelings when the Holy Spirit comes. But do you know I've come to learn that sometimes when I'm praying for the sick, I don't feel a thing. I don't feel a thing. It's by faith. We just do it by faith. I'm not waiting for this tingly feeling. It's nice if we get that, isn't it? That we know and then it helps us. But empowerment's not a fuzzy warm feeling. It will equip you for great works I've put. Empowerment's not a level of, level of achievement in Christianity. It's a free gift. It's, let me tell you today, what I'm talking about, what you can receive at the end, is a free gift. It's just free. It's not, it's not about a level of achievement. An empowerment I've put here is not to puff you up, but it's to build you up. To build each one of us up. To be used in the kingdom of God. I loved it when I saw people operating, and I love it. The more and more, you see, what happened in my heart when I see miracles and I see God using me, do you know the thing that blesses me most is to see others do the same. Not for me to become the person who is seeing all the healings. No. I, my agenda, my vision, if you want to put it, for this church is that everyone will come to really realize their destiny in Christ. And we will be an army that really does affect a lot of things. There's no point. What, is it, what am I going to achieve on my own? There's no point. I've not got any special anointing. When you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're all the same. We've just got to step out. My job is to encourage you to do it. To release you, to disciple you, to release you into the things of God. There's so many teaching out there today that you turn on the God TV channel and you, I'm not putting them down, but there's so much stuff on there that sometimes we watch some of this stuff and we, it, it makes it even worse because we think those people are filled with something different to what I've got. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah, there are levels of anointing. We know that Ephesians 4.11 talks about the giftings. But I'll tell you something. 
I believe that when Jesus sent his disciples, Mark 16, Great Commission, and he sends them out, I don't think he, he, was, he was dealing with fishermen. He was dealing with people. He was dealing with everyone. He wanted the church to be like this. I want to look at three aspects of being baptized and what it, in the Holy Spirit and what it means. Number one, receive the gift. I said earlier, you have to receive this gift. You have to receive it. It says this in Acts 19 uh, verse 5, when people heard that Paul, what Paul said about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Paul placed his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and then they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Did you get that? They prophesied as well. I want you to come to the prophetic conference in July, but let me tell you this, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you received it anyway. You know, it's great to come to these conferences and you can run around saying, I'm gonna, I want impartation, I want all these kind of things. I said to someone the other day, they said, I want to see what you're seeing in your church. The church leader said, I said, you don't need impartation. I said, you got the word, it's bubbling up inside of you. You got the spirit, just do it. Nike, just do it. Just do it. But so many of us who we go to some conferences and we just say, Lord, I need what they've got. I need to just impart into me. No, if you've got the word and the spirit, then you've got all the components you need. Receive the gift. To receive it, first of all, to get it. We must be hungry. We must be desiring it. We must want it. Eagerly desiring the gifts. So many people, I see people say, I want, I want the gift of spirit. They don't look eager one bit. They just think, yeah, show me it then. When am I going to speak in tongues? It's going to happen. And they're waiting for this uncontrollable tongue to start flowing that they cannot stop, that they cannot, they're overtaken by. But let me tell you this. I believe that speaking in tongues is controllable. Everything that's society is controllable. All the believers in Acts 2 in the upper room we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That sounds like a good church. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In other words, it gave them their ability to do it. They didn't just speak in tongues uncontrollably. They had the ability, but they had to receive it and they had to take a step of faith. To enable means to give them the ability to make it possible for them to speak in tongues. I believe there's people here today who've been filled with the Holy Spirit who've never took the opportunity to release a word or they haven't really trained themselves to do this and flow in it. Because when you find is once you start to flow, how many of you know you turn a tap on, you just keep it going, it keeps coming and coming and then that's it, it flows. Some people said to me, with prophecy, they say, you know, how do you prophesy? I say, sometimes I've got no word. I don't know what. God just gives me one little thing. But the moment I release it in my mouth, it starts flowing. Prophecy is very similar to uh, tongues. It flows from your spirit. It's not something where I'm thinking, what can I say that would be really nice that they need to hear? Or I'm going to manufacture some word. And God, what do you want to say? I know this bit of information. No, it flows from the spirit. flows from the spirit we need to receive it we've got to ask ourselves people say if i speak in tongues then how's this going to benefit my faith what's it going to do for me 
I don't know if I really want to. I've met people before that said, I don't want it. Why? I, I, don't, I don't need to speak another tongue. Why do I need to do this? Let's read what Paul says, the benefits. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Paul says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire. There it is, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. There you go. You've come in before and thought, I've got no idea what he's talking about. No one understands them. They utter mysteries by their spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. He says, I would like every one of you, says Paul, listen, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's Paul, not me. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Tongues will edify you. What did Paul just say? He said this. If I speak in tongues, I'm edifying myself. It helps me. It it builds me up. If I speak in tongues today and we, I start to speak, you're going to look at me and think, well, what is he saying? If I don't know what he's saying, even if you're a believer. But what does he say? He says, then, if someone does that in the church setting, because really it's to edify and build you up in the spirit. If someone does that in this setting, and you don't understand what they're saying. It's better, the one who prophesies better. Why? Because the one who prophesies brings an intelligible word, something that we can all understand that edifies and builds us up. What he's saying is this, but he says then, he goes on to say that, however, I'm not saying that prophets are better than people who speak in tongues. He says, if someone brings the interpretation of the tongue, then all of a sudden, Boy, you've got it. It's just turned this. It's turned it into a prophecy. It's turned it into something that we can all now understand. So therefore, it has equal relevance. What I want to say today is this puts a challenge because I grew up in a church, okay, where every single Sunday I went into the room. I grew up in a church all my life. Every single week, people spoke in tongues. There were interpretations. It's it's what I knew. I'll tell you, I used to walk in that church, the secrets of men's hearts were revealed. It was, you know, no one knew, but people were challenged. And I believe sometimes in some of the churches I go to today, yeah, they look cool, everything's great, but the power of the Spirit's not in operation. These are to build the church up. And I want this church, I'm hungry to see this church increase in its prophetic giftings, increase in people speaking in tongues. And I know it sounds scary, but believe you and me, you'll love it. When, you rele- when you're released in it, I don't, I don't worry about what people think now. Because the Spirit of God's just flowing. And that's what you need. It's better, than any, it's better than any church is to be filled and to be flowing in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that it will build you up. Paul says anyone speak, who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Jude 1.20 said, Jude writes, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. When we're praying to God, we lose our mind's words and we begin to pray in the Spirit. How many of you know that? 
Paul says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to be praying for sometimes, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. If you saw me sometimes, sometimes I'm in the car or I'm on on my bike and I'm riding away. And you know, when I'm on my own sometimes and I really need God to just lift me up, I'm crying out in tongues so loud in the car, people must drive past me and think, what on earth is he doing? You, if you could, if you could have a fly on the wall in my car, you'd love it. I know you would. If you could hear me, I don't just sometimes sit, I sometimes turn off the music and I just start to speak in other tongues, crying out to the point sometimes where I've started to weep in the car because I don't know what I'm praying about anymore. Now that wouldn't mean anything to you if I came in here. So what use is it in the public setting unless someone interprets it? Therefore, sometimes we have to be controlling our tongue. We are fully controllable over the spiritual gifts. Let me tell you that. I've met so many people over my life, they look like they've been possessed. You meet them, they look like the, the, the Holy Spirit took over them and they've got no control. The Holy Spirit does not come to possess and control. He is a gentleman and he comes just like a gentleman. And he will knock and you can have the control. That's the love and the, uh, the, the grace he gives us to flow in this in freedom. We don't just come and be uncontrollable. If we did, this room would be full of people just uncontrollable. We'd never get anything done. So we have the control. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Galatians 5. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Self-control. Not just self-control in stopping yourself doing something. Self-control. That's what it means. You can control yourself. And sometimes I meet people and they look like that they've been overtaken. And you think, well, what's going on here? You have full control of the gifts of the Spirit. I have the full control whether I prophesy over someone today or I leave or dismiss the words. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I wish I had given something. I have the full control whether I want to pray for the sick and I want to step out in faith. Jesus is looking at me all the time saying, you can do these things, but it's up to you. You, You're in control. But listen to the will of the Father. Listen to my voice. And I cry out sometimes on the bike and I'm, and honestly, I've, there's times when I've been doing it. I used to ride across the field to my old job and I used to think no one was around and then all of a sudden I'd be crying out in tongues and a man was there with his dog in the middle of the field. And I'd be like this, waving, thinking, how on earth do I make it look like I'm just, you know, he's probably thinking, what on earth is wrong with this guy? But I'd do it in myself because I'm building myself up. Don't, do you understand? I'm not doing it to show off saying I've got something more spiritual than you. I'd rather you not hear me speak in tongues if there's no interpretation. Now, apologies if I ever do it, and sometimes we make mistakes, don't we? We do speak in tongues, we do do it here, but it's not going to build anyone up if we're doing it in front of people and they don't really understand what it is. If the unbeliever walks in, if somebody, the Bible says, if the unbeliever walks in, hears this, they've got no idea what anyone's talking about, what is it going to do for them? But if they hear an interpretation, if they hear a prophetic word, if they hear something that speaks deep into their heart, They'll know that God's here. They'll know that God is in this place. Amen. We should desire it and it edifies us. These are the benefits that Paul says. These are the benefits that we should seek this gift for. If you're saying today it's, it's just speaking another language. No, it is for your benefit. It will build, It's doing something. You're uttering mysteries in your spirit to God. Connecting with heaven. In the heavenly realms, you're connecting you're speaking a heavenly language. Do you realize what's happening? There's all of a sudden this channel between you and God and you're no longer just speaking to people on earth. You're, there's a channel to you and heaven, to God. 
that is different from just your own words. And I want to encourage you to eagerly desire this. See the benefits of it. You know, some of us think, Jesus, does he really want to give it me though? Am I super spiritual enough, ready for this gift? I, I just don't agree with that at all. Jesus, for the people who were born again, he would give it to them instantly. Do you think he wants to say, no, 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 I want to see him wait. I, I want to wait and see how eager you are. If Jesus said the workers are few, I think he'd want to give you the spirit immediately. If Jesus said that the workers are few and I need people to do this job for me because I've got to go and I'm going to send my spirit, I don't think he'd be saying, no, I'm going to wait until you've done the 10-week 10, 10 discipleship program, you've done the alpha course, and then I'm going to give it you. No, you can have it the moment you want it. If you eagerly desire it, it doesn't come just after an alpha course. These things are good. They prepare people's hearts to understand. I'm not knocking them. What I'm saying is this. There is no time limit. Don't say, I'm going to probably seek this in a few years. Eagerly seek it. Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11, Jesus says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, you know, we've not got over, overcome all of our sin. Even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, gifts to those who ask him? All you've got to do today is in your heart right now, before I finish today, is say, God, I want that. I want it. I want, what, I want this. I want to be empowered. I don't want to be trying to do my Christian walk without the empowerment. You see, Jesus purchased this on the cross for you and for me. It was a gift that he purchased by his blood, by his precious blood, so that you can have it. Number two today, we need, number one, we need to receive the gift. Number two, we need to release the gift, releasing it. We read earlier in Acts 19, verse 6, the Ephesian believers spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Receiving is one thing, releasing it is another. Okay? That's why I believe there's some people who believe they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they've not released it. They've not actually spoke out and stepped out in faith. It's hard, isn't it, to think about this. But what, I'm, what I encourage you is this, is when I first started, when someone, I came to the front, someone laid his hands upon me, the, the minister who came that day many years ago, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The moment he said that, I believed him, and I received it. I said, I'm having that. That's mine. I'm having it. It's mine. Therefore, I know I've got it. No, I didn't feel anything specific, but I thought, no. Jesus said I could have it. He's just offered it to me. He's going to lay his hands just like Paul did. And I'm going to receive it. So when he said it, I thought, I've just received it. Now the enemy, the first thing is, comes in to tell you, you haven't got it. He says, what? You, you think you've got something? You think you're empowered? Didn't Jesus, when he'd been baptized in water, and he was baptized by the Spirit going to the desert, the first thing is, who does he meet? Satan himself. To tell him that he has not got the power he thinks he's got. Let me tell you, if you receive it, it takes faith. But you will immediately walk straight into the desert with Satan. He'll be there telling you that you haven't got it. But let me tell you, stand on the word that says, if you want it, if you eagerly seek it, you will receive it. He won't give you something that, uh, uh, he won't give you something that he doesn't want, not, not want to give. He wants to give it to every single person in this room today. 
You might say, well, I'm filled. Well, brilliant. That's great. But to do it, to release the gift, you're going to have to speak out and you're going to have to say a word. I remember I said a few words here, then it started to come. And then I'd say another few words. I'm thinking, oh, this sounds a bit odd. I wonder what people are thinking. That's what I thought. People must be thinking something. But then I started to realize, do you know, if we base our Christian lives on what people think, we're not going to get very far, are we? I'm learning that very quickly. If I base it on what people think about me, what kind of life is that? I'm just interested in what Jesus thinks about me. So you need to step out. Don't worry about what anyone thinks. I went home and I remember the next day at work and I was working in a marketing team and I'd be wandering around. I'd go to the loo. I think, right, when I go to the loo now, I'm going to have a, I'm going to speak in tongues. I received it yesterday in Sunday's meeting. I'm going to start doing it. So I go down to, I keep having a break and wandering off. People are going for cigarette breaks. I'm there going, kitabasa. I didn't say it as much as that because I didn't know all my words then. And God started to flow more. The more, and I could tell something was going on. The more and more I did it and I was building myself up, edifying myself. That's what I encourage you to do. You might come to the front today and say, well, I, I, I only said one word. That I'm going to wait till someone preaches on this again and then I'll receive it. No. If you say one word, if you don't, go home after today and begin to flow. Begin to do it in your own space. Begin to believe that you've received the gift and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you'll come back to me, you're saying, Phil, and I did it. I did it with Peter. I was saying, Peter, I've been speaking in tongues. I was going to lose and I was doing this. And he's going, come on, Phil. You can do it. Just keep going. Don't listen to the enemy's voice. The more you try, he'll keep telling you it's not it's you and it's not him. Well, I've come to realize it's not me. <laughs> it's not me at all. It's not me. So some of the things we've talked about today that come from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that is not me. It's too big for me. I cannot, I cannot see these miracles through me. What have I got? I'm just an empty vessel of clay but with some treasure inside. The treasure he wants to put in every single person today to release you into your destiny. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, just looking at when we release the gift and corporately, trying to jump ahead as quick as I can, but just releasing the gift. There's so much to say about tongues, you see. But when we come together and we meet together, and I want to see this church operating in it more, and there's people in here who I do know speak in tongues and there's interpretations, but do you know what? There's not enough. And I believe there is some brilliant people in here who are filled with the Holy Spirit who can do it. I know you can. I know you can. Stir it up. And let's see it. Let's see these come, things coming forward. You see this, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this in verse 27. He says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, and he's relating to the church congregation coming together, he says this, two or at the most three should speak one at a time. In other words, there you see the control. There you see that it's all about control. He's saying, if you're going to speak in tongues, make sure you do it one at a time. Not everyone's like speaking out at the same time. He says one at a time. So he gives us the sense there that there's a control. But then he says, and someone must interpret it. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. They, did you see there? So in other words, when we come together, we should, this is what we need to start to do as a church. I'm encouraging you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to stir it up to say, I'm going to start releasing a, a, a gift of tongue. And some of us, prophets in this house, don't just keep seeking words of prophecy. Start to seek God to show you something that you can interpret the message. When I was a young lad, my dad used to say to me many, many times when I got home and I was eating dinner with them around the table, he said, today the interpretation that I gave, there were two people come up to me and had both the same interpretation. 
That's, that's, that's New Testament church. And I tell you, you don't see much of it today. You don't see a lot of it. Well, I want it here. It's not old fashioned. It's not old fashioned. People think it's old fashioned. It's not old fashioned. Listen, I'd rather have someone speaking a tongue and it build an edify and there's an interpretation than a smoke machine. What's a smoke machine going to do for me? What's it going to do for you? But if it builds you up in the most holy faith, oh, you're on fire for God. Fire for him. It's not about this meeting. It's about what you do after. Hallelujah. So it's important. Some, you know, some people say, well, I've, I've had people say, you know, to come together and for two or three people to speak and for it to be weighed up. Sometimes we don't have the luxury of that. Now, Paul's giving his advice. You can't take every word he's saying there. We don't have the luxury. At the moment, I don't believe if someone speaks in tongues that there's lots of people who will interpret it. I actually believe there's people with 100% potential to do it. But it's just scary, isn't it? To, to even, if you're a matured, speaking in tongues believer, it's scary to release an interpretation. But I want to encourage you. And if you fall flat on your face and you get it wrong, well, we're all here for the same reason. We're human beings. We make mistakes. We've got to start stepping out of the boat. Amen. And seeing a prophetic culture coming through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, many of us think that when we receive the Holy Spirit in conversion, that he's with us and that we don't need this extra thing. We don't believe we need to do anything else extra. Just as the the title of this series has been Beyond Belief, I believe there's something more than belief. There's more than just believing in Jesus and accepting salvation. There's an empowerment to do the work and the will of the Father. I remember many years ago, I I just when I'd passed my test a few years and I'd I'd saved up lots of money, I used to do lots of uh, graphic design jobs, and I was trying to save lots of money because I wanted to get my own car. And I never, I'll never forget, I've, never, I've only ever bought one brand new car and I'll never do it again because they lose so much money, don't they? You drive them off the forecourt and they've lost so much money. I'll never forget saving up all my money to buy this first new little polo. And I was so excited. And I bought this car and I went to the garage and Emma dropped me off. She took me in her car and hers was a little bit older. And I'm like, I'm going to get this brand new car. I've saved my money. I was really proud. That it's, and it was, you know, I'd, I'd not passed my test that long. And I went to this garage, signed the documents, everything, and I sat in this beautiful brand new car. If you know me, I like a deal. I made sure that that car was as cheap as I could get it. I, bought, I even bought it. I lived in Cambridge. I bought it from uh, Wakefield because it's cheaper up north. <laughs> I'm not sure what the petrol cost me to get there. But, <laughs> but I, I went in and I bought this brand new car. And one of the parts of the deal is I said to them, I want this beautiful car and I'm going to sign. But I said, my dad used to teach me this. He said, right at the last minute, Phil, ask, get as many things you can thrown in the deal. This is a true northerner, this. Get as many things you can. Do you need mud flaps? I didn't even need mud flaps, but I thought, well, I'll ask for mud flaps. I thought, aren't mud flaps old fashioned? Do you need mud? Does anyone have mud flaps? My dad said, get some mud flaps thrown in. You know what these people's like, you know, get an air freshener thrown in. But I don't know if I need an air freshener. My dad was always, get as many things you can thrown in. This is, this is the time to do the deal. So I did, and one of the things I asked for in the deal was a full tank of petrol. So can I have a full tank? I thought, well, it costs about, at that time, it would cost about 30 pounds. Today it costs about 100. But I said, 
Will you fill the tank up? And this guy must be thinking, can he not afford petrol for this car? So I did. I went to pick it up. And I'll never forget, sat on the forecourt in this VW garage up in Wakefield, so proud, so happy that I got this car. Let me tell you this. Even though I received this thing that had been purchased, even though I'd received this car that I'd spent, it cost me money to save up and buy, to, have, to, to enjoy and sit in this lovely car. That, how, many, how many love the smell of a new car? That's the one thing. That's, that's the only reason why you want to buy a new car, just the smell. If they make an air freshener that is as good as a new car smell, then that will just hit the whole sales market, wouldn't it? Because that is it. Because once the smell's gone, it's useless. It's true. And I sat there and I just thought, oh, I don't want to drive this thing. The smell of this thing is, put the radio on, I'll put my CD, I took a little pack with my CDs and I'm shoving these CDs and listening to different CDs. And what I'm trying to say is here, is I could have just sat on that forecourt all day, smelling the interior, loving the smell, loving the car. But I'd asked for it also to be filled with petrol. Jesus wants you not to just enjoy and sit in what he's purchased for you. But he, just like I asked also extra, can you fill it with petrol? Because without petrol, it ain't going anywhere. He wants to fill you. But there's one third and final thing. Unfortunately, they haven't designed cars like this yet. But you cannot get a car that drives itself for you. And I had to turn the ignition. And I had to use my strength and push the pedals, and begin to make it move, and use my skills of what I'd learned on my driving test to make this car drive off and get onto the motorway and take it to show everyone else. Let me tell you this, so many people today, they're sat on the forecourt, in their car, smelling the interior, and the interior is losing its smell. Then they'd lose the joy of the Lord, of their salvation. Then they sat there thinking, I remember when that time when I gave my heart to Jesus, but they've not done anything else extra. They didn't ask to be filled with petrol. They didn't ask to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're not prepared, if they have been filled, to start the car and drive. I want to encourage you today. Do not just receive the gift that was purchased for you and don't do anything else. Go beyond belief. Amen? I'm losing my time, but third and final, I'll be very quick. We need to firstly receive the gift. Second, we need to release the gift. And third, I've tried to get them all starting with R because it helps you to remember. But third and final, you need to review the gift. Review the gift. So many people, I said at the beginning today, some people here have not have been have been filled with the Holy Ghost. They've not done anything with it. They're still sat in the car. They're still sat on the forecourt, and they're not doing anything with it. Even if you are filled today, it's good to make sure you constantly review that gift. Are you using it, or have you let put things set aside and they get dormant? In Second Timothy one, verse six, Paul's charge to Timothy is this: I remind you to fan into flame. The gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Did you hear that? Through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or for me, of me, his prisoner. 
I just want to speak just for a few moments as I come to finish. Because I think it's very important this. I've talked about receiving it if you've never received it. And talked about releasing it. But I believe there's some people here who need to review it. What robs you of this gift that you have? Remember this. You will never lose it. You cannot lose the gift. Jesus, who gave you the gift of tongues and gave you the ability to speak. If you started to speak and then one day you haven't done it for many years and you thought, I'm going to have to wait till the next evangelist or someone comes into town and preaches on this and then I'll get it again. No. You have what Jesus has given you. I know that when I give a gift to my kids, I don't take it from them again. It's theirs. And Jesus gives you that gift. It's a lie of the enemy to believe that you've lost it. You see, look at this. Paul's charge, he says this, remember, I remind you. I remind you to fan into flame. Because I remind you, you received it when they laid hands upon you. In other words, if you think about how many people, when you get to the old barbecue and the barbecue's going out and you need to get down and blow it, the embers, to get it going again. Well, the embers are there. You just need to blow it and to start to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says that you were, it's been stolen from you. Romans 11.29 says, for God's gifts are irrevocable. In other words, he'll give them to you. Do you know that people can be, some, they can be saved, they can be backslidden and still be operating in gifts? It's true. It's true, it's right there. The Bible tells us this, because he won't take away the gifts. Let me tell you, you'd set yourself, well, that's, if that's true, then I'm scared of who's operating gifts. Let me tell you, this is what will happen. You will not see many people operating in these gifts. The reason why is that it's not, the gift is there, it's gone down, and it needs fanning into flame. The only way you're going to fan into flame is by the strength of God. But let me tell you this, when it gets like that, the thing that you will, you will not see people operating it, they might have got the gift, but they won't operate out of fear. Because sin gets into their lives, chokes them, and they wouldn't even dare to operate in it. So don't be worried thinking, oh, I'm not sure now. There's lots of false prophets walking around who are not saved. No, I really believe this, that fear, when sin creeps in, it will strangle you and you won't want to prophesy. You might have the gift, the ability to hear from God, but you will not because sin will choke it. Fear and timidity is another thing. The fear, hindrance to operating, just like I've just said. It will choke us, but it never removes it. Therefore, God's saying today, I want to fan into flame. I want to blow upon people today and, re- and for you to receive, to begin to release it, not receive it, but to release again what's already in you. How many of you know that if you see a computer virus, how many has got, put your hand up if you're an Apple Mac person. Oh, PC. Ah. If you know what I mean by this, when I used to be at work, there used to be always arguments of who's Mac and who's PC. And if you know what I mean by that, Apple Macs. And I used to love Apple Macs. And one thing I used to always say to everyone, I say, Apple Macs never get a virus. You never get viruses. People used to say, I've got this new virus software and it's brilliant. And I'd say, you don't need, you don't even need it. With a Mac, you don't need to spend money on it. How many of you know if you ever get a virus on a computer? You use the virus software to remove it. But the operating system never gets removed. It's always there. You just have to get rid of the virus. I'm telling you today that some people here think that the enemy has robbed them and just totally erased their hard disk so they've got nothing left. 
resuscitate today. No, 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 no. The operating system is still there. All you've got to do is allow me, I'm the greatest, to kill viruses of sin and the root of sin. And I will be your best virus killer. Just allow me to breathe upon your life. The operating system's still there. No one's ever erased the disc. The Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. So don't be ashamed. The, the final thing that it does to rob us is pride. Pride will rob you of operating in this gift. In, he says this, don't be ashamed. Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't be scared to share. And some of us, we, we start to get embarrassed in speaking in tongues. We start to get embarrassed in doing the things of the Spirit of God. Because pride comes in and we want to be like everyone else out there. But how many want to follow the narrow way today? Hallelujah. Paul encouraged Timothy to go public. He said, don't be ashamed. Don't let pride stop you from doing, using your gifts. Don't let fear and timidity of people around you be scared of starting to speak in a tongue or interpreting what's on your heart. Some people, they come and they'll say, I've got things I wanted to share. The Bible says that everyone who comes together when we meet together has something. I love that, me. We've all got something, haven't we? We haven't always got the time, the luxury of time to share it. But I want to encourage you. If you want to see God use you more, then start to say, right, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to release this. I'm going to stir it up, fan to flame, and I'm going to step out. And if someone speaks in a tongue, I'm going to interpret it. Or in other words, if someone today needs to start speaking out in a tongue, start to do it. Start to release what's in your heart. And this church, you'll see, will take on another dimension. It will take a whole new dimension that you have never seen probably before. We think we're a prophetic culture church. I'll tell you, we, we need to hit the roof on this one and go out beyond it. If we want to see God do what he's going to do in our, in our city, in our nations, and take what we're doing further afield, we need to start letting God speak to us through many of you. And all of you are capable, amen? If we want to be supernatural, I've put, we've got to be more supernatural. Stop being so natural and ashamed and scared. We've got to be supernatural. Above and beyond. Finally, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 12. He says, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try, listen, try to excel in those that build up the church. In other words, Paul says, try to excel. Try, he says. Not, it's going to automatically happen by default. Try and excel in these things. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.